This is Stephen Adams. And this is Kevin Durant. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Kevin Durant. <laughs> you're Kevin Durant, mate. <laughs> Good to see you, mate. Different complexion. Okay, let's go to So, this is Stephen Adams. And this is Anas Cantor. You're listening to the Down to Earth. Down to Dunk podcast. What? Down to, down to Dunk. Down to Dunk. I'll down say to that. Dunk. Introduce yourself, mate. Here's Stephen Adams, and I'm Anas Cantor, and you're listening to Down to Dunk podcast. Stay tuned. Welcome to Down to Dunk. This is your host, Andrew Schlecht. We are a part of DailyThunder.com and also Almighty Baller Radio. You can listen to us on Dash Radio on Saturday afternoons. Today, special guest, Michelle Barra of Chartside. Uh, Michelle is a draft expert. He has scouted a lot of NBA guys, including our very own Damana Sabonis. And so we will start by talking about Damana Sabonis and then get into some draft prospects that should interest the Oklahoma City Thunder and some guys that OKC should probably stay away from. This is a great podcast for those that don't know a lot about draft prospects or a lot about these guys that are coming in um, and the guys that the Thunder are looking at right now. Give Michelle a follow at Mikey Barra, M-I-K-Y-B-E-R-R-A, and enjoy the conversation. I want to talk about Domas a little bit, too, and kind of your evaluation of Domas this season. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I have, like, a thought. Uh, I mean, if Taj Gibson is a rental, why did we trade for him? Yeah. I mean, I, like, it's it's an ex-post evaluation, so it's obviously flawed. But, but, I mean, we actually went down in the first round. We had the record that we were in pace to get. Mm-hmm. And in some sense, yes, we had a very good power forward for, uh, let's say, two months. But we actually didn't like develop Thomas uh, enough, I think, uh, in the second part of the season. Um, I'm not sure if that is a, if they keep him, then okay. Mm-hmm. If they don't, I'm not sure why you want to do that. Yeah, I mean that makes that makes sense. What do you think they should have? How do you think they could have developed him better? I mean, I think that he. I mean, it's not like uh, he had to start um, because, I mean, I think that the minutes with Steven Adams are in some sense not ideal for him. I I liked a lot when they put him at the five mm-hmm. with either Jeremy Grant at the four or even with Andre Robertson at the four. Mm-hmm. Uh, like when, when they went uh, with a very small ball unit, that was actually, I think, the best way to play him. Uh, they should have played him uh, from the beginning like that. Um, and in some sense, they went away. I'm not sure why. I mean, he, he had a pretty serious slump in January. Um, yeah. But playing with, 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 a, like, with a lineup that has no shooting at all, it's really tough. And, um, and if your shot is not like, uh, on pace, like uh, it's not on fire in, in, like lately, then you start not to shooting the ball as you should. And everything got worse. I mean, Steven Adams, when Thomas was shooting okay, had totally another uh, impact on the game. Mm-hmm. As soon as he slumped a bit and we took Taj, the space wasn't there for him. 
Yeah. So in some sense, I, I, I'm not sure if Tash Gibson was the best option there. But if, if it was the only option and if it, if it was the only trade for campaign, which I believe that could be very well true, then okay, it's fine. I mean, if you have a chance to retain him, then perfect. But I'm not sure about like that trade in, in, in some, I mean, right now I'm not sure. Uh, next year when we know about Taj, maybe we can tell more. Mm-hmm. What did, we're, I'm just, this is our podcast. We're just going to keep going if that's okay with you. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so do you think that Domas is, do you think that he'll be the backup center for the Thunder? Or do you think that he'll be the power forward for the Thunder moving forward? What are your, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, uh, um, it can be both uh, in some sense. I would like to see him uh, again with Steven Adams, uh, maybe to see if his shot is developing in the right direction. If that is okay, then I think that his defensive potential can can be key in a starting unit. If his shooting is not at, at that level yet, then maybe playing him at the five make more sense, mm-hmm. especially with a with an athletic four. Like playing him and Jeremy, I think it's a good choice because Jeremy is very athletic. He can be a like a reasonably good help defender, and and Domas is smart, so he will take his men where Jeremy can help. Uh, on that, I can trust him, mm-hmm. and and so I, I kind of want to see both again. Um, and all like it depends a lot what happens with with Dennis and with Taj actually, because if they both stay, then I think that Thomas has very a very limited amount of time. I, I'm not I don't think they both uh, stays next season. I actually think they they will be gone um, before draft night or at draft night mm-hmm. at least Dennis. So in some sense. If if there is room for him, I want to see him in both spots um, because I think he can be like he can take a role like um, it's not it's not exactly the same, but uh, like Zach Randolph plays both roles in Memphis. Right. Like he can play the four uh, with Marcus all. He can play the five when Mark is out. And there are plenty of big men that actually uh, do that in the league. So I, I want him to have the versatility to do both. And I think that playing him with more shooting. Uh, will help be and in some sense the Thunder needs need to add shooting uh, in every position so I think next season we will see a different version of Thomas and a different version of Thunder as well mm-hmm. yeah and I'm a, I'm a big fan of Sabonis I think that he's going to be very good uh, I think that a lot of people have a sour taste in their mouth about him moving forward uh, but I think that's just a massive jump to conclusions I don't think that that's a something that you should carry out throughout the rest of his career because I do think that he's got a lot of skills. Like you said, I don't think that he got a real chance to showcase that. It was basically, was he shooting well or was he not shooting well? Um, and that exactly. was really about it. So Yeah, I mean, one of the one of the issues uh, with Thomas was that I, I think it's the best way to play is to facilitate for others. And at some point in the season, we decided the Thunder decided to to play all the second unit's possession through Cantor, and as long as that was working, everything was fine. But at a certain point, that stopped stopped to work because I mean Cantor got injured, mm-hmm. and the second unit hadn't had like a, a clear way to play, and that that is hard for a rookie to um, be impactful uh, when like when you don't have a plan how to use him, uh, like. Uh, 
a plan from the beginning. I mean, he he was in the Serbian Munich, then he was not. Then he got like a shooting slump. Everyone uh, has shooting slumps through the season. Victor has shooting slumps through the season. And so, I mean, it's very hard to evaluate. And I won't jump to conclusion because, I mean, his defense was really underrated mm-hmm. from the beginning. I mean, he was an okay defender. And that is the key part for a rookie. There are many rookies that are okay on offense because they play against like lesser competition in the second unit. Thomas was starting and was actually impactful on Mm -hmm. defense. That is a very good uh, signal, uh, in my opinion. The shooting will be there. I mean, Thomas has like like a good history of hard work and uh, perseverance, and like is a very smart guy. So I'm not worried about that. Not not too much worried about that. What do you think it will take for? him to build confidence because he just I mean he kind of wears his heart on his sleeve a little bit when he's out there playing and you can just see when he's struggling or when he's frustrated like he's just visibly struggling and visibly frustrated what do you do you think that's just maturity what are your thoughts on that I mean parties get used to how the game is played in the NBA I mean one one part of the game where he really struggled was uh, trying to adjust to the new referees I think that mm-hmm. caused him serious problem on, on defense. And sometimes he got out of the game very early for that. But if you remember, remember the first year of Steven Adams. Like, he was barely able to stay on the court mm-hmm. because he was fouling all the time. Yes, he was very impactful on the on, on a playoff run, mainly because OKC was totally another team. And they could carry the load even without a backup center. Um but I mean, it's really hard for a for a player that is smart and defend that that can play hard to adjust to the referees the first year. I mean, the contact that now Steven uh, does to opponents uh, the first year were all fouls. Now they are not. And for Thomas, I think that part of the of, um, of his game will change like soon because on the second year you get to know referees very well. You you know who uh, whistle what, and and so I think on that end he will improve immediately. I would say maybe summer league would be helpful for him. Uh, I'm not sure if, if he's going to play. I think he's going to play that. Uh, he said he was going, going to, to in exit interviews. He yeah. said so. Yeah. Hopefully he does. I mean, and, and I think having a, like a clear cut role uh, next year at the beginning of the training camp would be helpful for him as well. Of course, if the first two months of the season are rough months in terms of shooting, uh, I think its confidence could take like a deep dive. But uh, mm-hmm. hopefully that is not the case. I mean, he works really hard. I would be like, uh, it would be a shocker to see Thomas reg- uh, like in a sort of regression from last year. I think he will improve and the confidence will be there as well. Yeah. Um, to your point on Stephen Adams and his fouling in his rookie season per 36 he averaged over six personal fouls a game yeah yeah, yeah. I, I remember that um yeah. and then this season crazy. he's down to 2.9 I mean it's yeah and in the most minutes he's ever played and then Domas per 36 minutes 4.4 personal fouls so not even yeah. as bad as Adams was um so yeah, he he's he just turned twenty one. He's he's got a ways to go, and I hope people understand that that he's somebody the Thunder really believe in, 
and somebody that they should believe in because I, I, I think he's got the skills to be a modern-day big where he can pass, he can shoot, he can defend on the perimeter a little bit um, where he's not going to get embarrassed. Uh, he's he's going to be a solid role player. Um, so Fred Katz and John Hamm have mentioned the comp to um, Patrick Patterson. What did you think about that? Um, I think he can – like. I like it on a certain hand because Patrick can be a very good defender and he's a down shooter, especially from the corners. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that can apply to Domas. I hope that Domas becomes a better uh, playmaker on offense than Patrick Patterson. I think that the key uh, for Domas' success in this league is that, is that he needs to become a playmaking big. And he has the ability and the IQ to do that. I think that in some sense... Uh, the, the team needs to trust him on that and, and he needs to show. But I would really like to see him uh, handle the ball a little bit more uh, on the post with the second unit. With the first unit, it's almost impossible. And even if I hope that also that can change, um, but this is another story. So for the second unit, I think that having a, a big that can pass from, uh, from, the, like from the elbow or from the mid post is very helpful for a team that has shooters. And Domas is a better passer than Ennis, like way better. Um, it's also a good post player. It's not as good as Ennis, of course. Uh, but I would trust him more with the ball on offense and see how that goes. Yeah. So for me, the, the main difference is this one. Uh, can he be uh, a good point, like uh, playmaking, playmaking four or playmaking five in the second unit? If that is true, then I think he, he can be like a slightly better than Patrick Patterson uh, because of that. Yeah, I I think so too. I, I you just wonder who are the Thunder going to trust with the ball in their hands next season because they basically trusted two guys with the ball in their hands this season, Russ and Ennis Cantor, and they didn't really give Oladipo that much of a chance to have the ball in his hands. They didn't really give anybody else that much of a chance. Everybody else was a spot up shooter basically, um, or you know, a, a transition player. So you just got to yeah. wonder like, who are they, who are they going to trust? And part of me wonders, were they right to only trust those two guys? Or I, I don't know. It's, it's just kind of, I'm left a little confused um, after this season, to be honest. Well, for sure. You don't, you don't have an answer to that. I mean, uh, was that the right call? Uh, in an outside, at the end of the season, you can say, well, no, if you had more ball handlers or more people you can trust with the ball, then for sure the, the offense with the second unit um, maybe could have been less predictable. Um, mm-hmm. But on the other hand, I mean, they, they see those guys every day. Right. And so, I mean, yes, from a, like, like I watched like a lot of Thomas last season and this season, and I want him to be the player I have in mind. But on the other end, I mean, if they don't give the ball to him uh, on like many possession, there will be, there is a reason behind that. Maybe it's too soon. Maybe they want, they don't want him to fail like too much because of his confidence. I, I don't know why uh, is that, but I mean, uh, it's for sure. It's a fair, a fair, fair question to ask. I mean, if they, they should trust more people with the ball, for example, Alex can, can, can handle the ball a lot, um, like a bit. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's not a, like, like a good slasher because he shies away 
from con from contacts from time to time. But on the other end, he can play. So I would I would trust him with the ball a little bit more as well. I think that going forward, this team will look different. Or at least to have success, I think this team needs to look different next season. Mm-hmm. Something that you should always choose is Chicken Express. This month at Chicken Express, you can get 15 tenders, 8 bone-in, and 10 biscuits or rolls for 20 bucks. Think about that. That's a party for 20 bucks. Invite some people over. Grab, go grab some Chicken Express. Uh, their bone-in is really good, as always. Their tenders are great. Their biscuits and rolls are really good. You cannot go wrong with any of their sides. Fried okra, french fries, mac and cheese, all good. Go check out Chicken Express today. There are locations around the metro. There are locations all around Dallas. Please go check out Chicken Express today. You will not regret it. And check out that special because I'm telling you, you can feed a ton of people and everyone will leave happy. Uh, let's move on to the draft. So, yeah. Michelle covers the draft in great detail, and there's going to be some really good stuff uh, coming from his work at Chartside. Uh, so this is just kind of a preview of what's to come um, with the Chartside stuff. We're going to do some stuff with Daily Thunder. There's going to be some other really cool stuff going on with them uh, as we get closer to the draft. Uh, but let's go through some players that interest you. Let's start with Frank Tilakina. Did I say his last name right? Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay. Uh, first of all, I need to make a disclaimer. Um, like, I, I got help from for, for this podcast because my really good friend Lorenzo Neri, uh, you can find it on Twitter at thebro84, uh, is a very good European scout, and he helped me a lot with insight and other things that I couldn't able to see from the test sheets so give him a follow he's a really really good scout and he he posts like tons of stuff uh, near the draft awesome. that said and i mean intelikina uh, is a really interesting guy he's the one of the youngest players on the draft he will be likely gone uh, before the okc peak at 21 mm-hmm. but he somehow the thunder could reach like close to the like close to the lottery like maybe around maybe even in the lottery like uh, 12 uh, the 12 week or somewhere around that then he would be the perfect perfect fit uh, with Russell Westbrook because he is a, a smart defender uh, he already played a lot of pro basketball in Europe so he knows how to play with like with with, with um, like the grown-ups, uh, he is a very very good spot of shooter. Shooter, he he can shoot it from three uh, from range. He is confident. He's a little bit cocky, uh, I would say, um, but it's a perfect compliment. So it it's like I mean, uh, it's not like a comp for the um, this year version of on Tilkina, but he really can become a Georgie type pointer, which I think is the best fit uh, with Russ because you want your backup pointer to be able to run a second unit and to play with Russ. Yeah. Other like all the other type of conquer with Russ will fail. Like we we have seen a lot of them. Like we've seen Reggie Jackson. Uh, we have seen like this year uh, with campaign. I mean, if you are not able to play alongside Russell Westbrook for like ten minutes at least, then you are not going to have a role here in, in OKC. And I think that Frank. He's really the best uh, prospect in this draft to play that position alongside Russ. Uh, I 
I I think that he he can go even higher than that. Maybe the Knicks uh, at the seven with with the number seven because mm-hmm. he's as as uh, my friend says is a, a very good triangle point guard. But if it's there for some like crazy reason, I I would re- this is the best choice for OKC I think. Yeah, and there's teams in that range that you feel like you could trade with because the the Kings have two picks. They have the eighth pick and they have the tenth pick. So you think exactly. that maybe they would, maybe they could be a canter destination. I know they've drafted a bunch of bigs in the past, but I'm, I'm I don't know a ton about all those guys, and I don't think that I, I think that canter might be a guy that they would like. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if that somehow becomes a canter destination, and it's whatever player plus the tenth pick for Ennis Cantor or the Thunder's 21 canter for a player in the 10th pick or something like that. Uh, I think that that makes some sense. Yeah, it makes some sense. Uh, the other destination can be Charlotte. Mm-hmm. They're, um, they're at 11 I, there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 11 or 12. I don't remember exactly, but they are in that range. And I think, even if I think that uh, Frank can be gone uh, by the 8th or the 10th pick, if somehow the Thunder can reach to that position and he's there, I think it's a, it's really a no-brainer uh, mm-hmm. because of his, uh, his attitude. He's a great worker. And he's really, really young. He's 1998 uh, on the back end of the year. So yeah. I mean, it's super young and it's already uh, mature for his age. And so I would, I would really go for him. As my best prospect to watch, yes. Yeah, until he is six five, so he's a. I mean, he's a big guard, and the Thunder like yeah. like those type of measurables typically. So I mean, he fits the Thunder player profile pretty closely. And quick disclaimer: like I know that the draft order hasn't been established yet. I'm just going off of record, and most likely the Kings will pick eighth and tenth. I know. I mean, yeah. they could jump up. So. Uh, just a disclaimer, and we'll find out in like twelve days what the what the draft order is. But I don't; it typically doesn't change a whole lot, especially if you're picking tenth or something like that. It's highly unlikely. But the Bulls did get Derrick Rose with like the I think they had the ninth best odds to get Derrick Rose uh, way back when, so it's not impossible. Or, or Cleveland. Oh right, I, I think with with that yeah. Clippers pick that they yeah. <laughs> traded yeah. Baron Davis, and they goodness. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's go to – this is a guy that I've kind of targeted. And right now we're going with guys that are out of the Thunder's range. So these would be guys that the Thunder would have to trade up to get. And mm-hmm. Sam Presti's traded up a few times. Uh, clearly not something that he's done every year, has been able to do every year. But I feel like a guy, OG Ananobi, has – he's another quote-unquote Thunder player. Uh, he's got the measurables. He's 6'8". Uh, he's a tenacious defender. Uh, he's a super raw offensive player, and he may be Andre Robertson 2.0, but I think he has a little bit more hope in his jumper. What are your thoughts on Ananobi? Yeah, I mean, uh, I watched like, his clip from this year. Uh, you cannot tell like basically anything on his offense because mm-hmm. it's really like random. Uh, the shot like did fall a bit more uh, this year, but again, the, the sample size was so small that you cannot really trust those numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, here I quote my, my, my good friend. He said, uh, I think he has instinct that only Kawhi in this league has. Hmm. 
And I think it's not an understatement, uh, an overstatement, because, I mean, he has like crazy long arms, crazy long hands. Uh, he sees things like he can reach only when he knows that how, how and when to reach. He has like the crazy defenses um, instinct. But for the, the other part of the floor, he can be like Robertson. He can be worse than that. Or maybe he develops. I mean, it's really um, a player that you need to gamble on, and they will gamble because his mm-hmm. defensive talent is so great. Even if they don't know how bad was the injury and how it will, it will impact his career, um, Anunobi will be gone in the lottery, almost for sure, unless some something like regarding his medical condition pops out like close to the draft, then you can... Actually, slides a slide a lot. We we have seen that uh, with players uh, with injuries. Um, but if he's there, then yes, he is a he's a very very incredible defender. Uh, I'm not sure if that is English, but uh, no, uh, I hope that, that <laughs> it captured it, it captured the idea that Anunobi is one of the best defensive pro- prospects in years. Yeah, he and he's been climbing up draft boards all season. Whenever he had his yeah. injury, he fell significantly. But then it, it seems like teams and scouts have have reminded themselves, oh, like this that this is a league that doesn't have a lot of great wings, and this could be a great wing. Um, so I, I just I think you're right. He's going to be gone, and if the Thunder do trade up. I think Tilakina makes a ton of sense. I also think Ananobi is oh yeah is a no brainer oh, yeah. Thunder player. Yeah, I mean, if you can tell him how to shoot, stand still, he he becomes like an incredible player, mm-hmm. like incredible. And actually, his shoot mechanics is bad, but it's not terrible. I mean, if you can see him, like uh, you should see him. Like besides uh, Andrew Robertson, in some clips, mm-hmm. his mechanic is not that broken. Okay, so That's good. you have hopes. On, on the other end, I mean, uh, with, with other players like Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, we were saying the same things. Ha, he's an incredible defensive prospect, and he never developed. Well, first of all, he never, he was never healthy, and second of all, second of all, I mean, he was not uh, able to develop a shot or anything close to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go one more wing, and all these guys. I mean, if th- this is there's just not a ton of great wings in this draft. There's just not a ton of great wings no. in general, and so this is another guy that I think will be out of the Thunder's range. And pr- maybe in a typical draft, he would be in the Thunder's range. But Justin Jackson out of North Carolina, he's 22 already, uh, but he's six eight. He's got a six ten wingspan. Uh, he seemed to have developed his shot this season. He shot a lot better. And it's hard to know what's real. Like, did he really develop or is he? did he just have a, a good season? Uh, what are your thoughts on Justin Jackson and his fit with OKC? I, I mean, I have one note on him, full stop. You scare me a lot. I mean, <laughs> Justin Jackson... <laughs> yeah, so why, why is that? I mean, uh, defensively... He has tools, and he also like showed in last season that he can be an effective defender, even on bigger guys, because of the physical tools and actually the toughness mm-hmm. uh, that he can show on the court. But offensively, if you look at his shot chart, is completely complete madness. There is no like no sweet spot. Everything is confused. Ton of of mid range. Ton of uh, shooting from the dribble. 
uh, catch and shoot, add the rem- like there is everything on that chart and nothing stands out. Uh, and one thing that actually worries me is he doesn't know uh, how and when taking his shots. And this is a scary thing. If you remember RJ Hunter uh, mm-hmm. from two, two, three years ago, uh, drafted from the Celtics in, in the back end of the draft, he was um, this kind of player, so a really good offensive player, good numbers. It was not a defender, so that part is not there in that case. Um, but he wasn't able to find a role with the Celtics because of his lack of discipline on offense. And Justin Jackson is that overcharge. He has no discipline. It's true that North Carolina uh, relies a lot on his, uh, say, offensive um, creativity. Mm-hmm. But the question for an NBA team is, can he learn how to be effective in offense? Is he content to wait for the ball on his spots and just shoot when Russ or uh, whoever gives him the ball? Or does he want to control the offense? That is really scary for this kind of prospect because you can be uh, Michael Beasley 2.0 with less talent and for that kind of player there is no place in the league right now uh, unless uh, you uh, you have no offense uh, whatsoever on your second unit and you want to give him the ball and say well whatever if you shoot well okay if not uh, we live with that but to have that kind of player at a small forward position I'm not sure if is that is what the OKC wants, and and I I, I really worried about that uh, part of his game. Uh, Sam Presti, stay away from Justin Jackson, please. <laughs> <laughs> it does not it does not sound good. It does not sound too promising. Okay, a guy that's in the Thunder's range, and I've really kind of grown to like this guy. The more videos I watch, the more research I do about him, Donovan Mitchell. He's a shooting guard, kind of combo guard esque out of Louisville. He's six three. He's kind of he's two ten, so he's a little bit bigger um, as far as his weight goes. I like him as a prospect. What are your What are your thoughts on him? Uh, I mean, we I with Lorenzo, we decided this is the guy. I mean, uh, if OKC drafts uh, at his position then Donovan Mitchell actually can be the best prospect they can get at that position because he is a really a combo guard, so he can handle. He's not a great uh, like offensive creator for others, but he can play the pick and roll a bit. Uh, he's a, a great, great defender for his position. Um, he can defend one and two uh, in the league. Maybe like not very big twos, but I mean, uh, he's, uh, he's tough as hell. He competes. He brings effort every night. Uh, I mean, at, Lou, at Louisville, he did that. And and he's an okay offensive player. I mean, he can shoot um, from like from the dribble. It's not great, but uh, uh, he can shoot uh, standstill, like catch and shoot uh, situations. And I think that he can play alongside Russ. And this is, I think, he this kind of player... Um, are the best for OKC. He's kind of uh, like Oladipo in some sense because he's this uh, like physical guy with good def- uh, good athletic um, a good athletic profile. Can shoot a bit. Um, maybe he's a better uh, stance shooter uh, than Oladipo. 
and it's less good creating. But this kind of prospect can become easily rotten stucky. So this is the uh, ceiling and the floor uh, for this guy. But I think that if it's there and it could be there, uh, it can be a he can be a good fit in OKC. Yeah. But one thing, one thing that. Yeah, one thing that that I noticed with um, because we tagged all major shots uh, for a project, and we discovered that his right um, right side of the shot chart is pretty nice. I mean, forty five percent mid range and forty two and uh, and change uh, from three point line, while the left part is terrible. Like twenty percent mm. mid range shots and eighteen percent from um, the above the break uh, three pointers. So it's really like binary. Uh, on one end he can shoot, on the other end he can't. This is not a good tell, uh, but maybe it's because I mean we you, you, we need to dig a bit more on that. But this is this is the only red flag that I can um, the big red flag that I have on uh, Mitchell's offense. Mm-hmm. I I love his toughness and the the way that people talk about him and that more almost more than anything makes me want to draft him that he's just like this kind of bulldog type defender that um, yeah I mean he he just seems like he's going to be an NBA role player uh he seems like I can't miss there's other guys in this range where I'm just like uh like, I don't know, a lot of the big guys, too. There's a lot of big guys in this range where I'm just like, I don't, mm-hmm. I'm really mm-hmm. hopeful that the Thunder don't stick where they are and draft a big. Um, like, Ivan Rab kind of scares me. Uh, I know he's got some great measurables, mm-hmm. but he he's that, I mean, the, the fact that he's even in the mock draft that they have the Thunder taking him, I'm just like, oh, but why, don't, don't do that, please. Um, I, I don't like a lot of these bigs in this range, but, like, Donovan Mitchell, I think could be potentially a great fit and potentially the backup point guard for OKC. Yeah, especially if he has other creators. Uh, like, if he can play with Oladipo and maybe mm-hmm. with Alex or Domas, as we said before, if you have, like, ball handlers uh, in the second unit and he doesn't have to carry the load by himself, then I think it's a very good um, situation for him. One other thing that uh, you need to take into account when you, when you watch um, Donovan Mitchell clips is that uh, Louisville offense offense is a mess hmm. so there's no rule there's no shot creation there, there's just like tons of ISO and so I mean of course if you watch his clips you say well he goes ISO every time yes because there's no plan there uh, and so the only thing that he can he can do is either play a pick and roll uh, or try to to go ISO by himself and so um, maybe he's shooting um can improve based on the fact that he will take better uh, kind of shots throughout his career. Lincoln Lending understands that not all lenders are created equal. With the most competitive interest rates and highly trained professionals, Lincoln Lending will communicate and accommodate your every need throughout the home buying process. Getting approved has never been easier with Lincoln Lending's new mobile app and website. Download the Lincoln Lending app in the App Store and Google Play Store. Visit our website at www.lincolnok.com or call 799-LEND to apply today. Lincoln Lending. Not all lenders are created equal. NMLS 398026. A guy that I've liked, and I'm notoriously a homer, and notoriously a homer for Oklahoma State basketball, Juwan Evans. And this is something that we've talked about almost this whole show, is I 
I think that the only reason that they couldn't draft him is that he's not a great fit next to Russ. Exactly. Uh, because he because first of all, you're just not going to take the ball out of Russ's hands. It's not going to be we're gonna bring a guy in to handle the ball and let Russ run off ball. No, it's so that you can bring a guy in and he can be off ball and spotting up and defending whatever guy they don't want Russ defending. Um but I, I like his game a lot. I think that he can I think he can shoot. I think that he can distribute. I think that he could be a good, solid backup point guard. I think that he could ultimately be what they thought Cameron Payne was going to be, that type of player. Um, but is is that the best player to fit next to Russ? And it's that's very questionable. Yeah, I mean if I look at the statistical profile, the answer is clearly no. Um, in the sense that he played 8% of his possessions in spot-up situations. And and in those possessions, he wasn't very good. Mm-hmm. He was average. And so he's not a spot-up shooter, or at least we don't know he is. Mm-hmm. And defensively, he's like, he can guard fairly well on the ball. But he is small. And yeah. there's many scouts that don't believe that he's actually 6'1". He's, uh, but more like... Uh, yeah. He's he, definitely he, not. Uh, like, he's he's closer yeah. to 5'11 than he is 6'1". Exactly. Exactly. But he's a true point guard. I mean, uh, my friend said, uh, I mean, if he was like two inches uh, taller, he would be in the top 10 this year. Like, no question. His playmaking ability are, are all over the chart. I mean, he can create enough uh, by himself. He he is the uh, he was the OK State offense uh, throughout the last year, and so in some sense you want that for the Thunder because if you have like an elite creator, that second unit can afford the loss of Enes Kanter, for example, and be successful. But if you think about Russ, how can you pair a small guard? that is not as good as a shooter uh, as other point guard or other um, guards like Donovan Mitchell, for example, and be happy with that. So in some sense, yes, he can be very beneficial to our second unit in some sense, because again, he's an elite shot creator and he's not so bad offensively by himself, but he has to play alongside Russ. Otherwise it's a lost pick because you you don't want to draft uh, a guy to play 10 minutes or Mm -hmm. 20 minutes or sorry 12 minutes uh any given night and so it's really hard um if russ settles for playing a bit of the ball and i'm not sure how is that possible or if we want that to be to be a thing then it it could make sense but otherwise Mm -hmm. if you if you don't want to give him the ball then it's not as effective as other prospects yeah and if you're thinking of him, and this is the way that I've thought of him, as strictly your backup point guard, I think that he's perfect. Uh, but if you're looking yeah. for a bigger role, a la Reggie Jackson, or what they want to do with Eric Maynard, uh, or even what they want to do with Cam, because, I mean, if you remember, we, we didn't get to see a ton of campaign. One, because of his injuries. Two, because he was on the mm-hmm. Thunder for a very short time. But if you remember Summer League... They played two point guards together for a yeah. reason because they wanted to see what does this look like? Like how can we interchange these guys as ball handler and guys that are spotting up? And I mean, that's 
that's what the Thunder want. They want more than one ball handler on the court sure. at a time. And because of Kevin Durant, they couldn't they they couldn't scramble enough to to get that done. And they and they kind of had that with Russ and Oladipo, although they just didn't really trust Oladipo to do mm-hmm. much of that. But I, I'm I'm a fan. I would not be upset at all if they drafted him. Although I would be a little surprised because I would. I'd be surprised if they drafted another campaign type player, just um, because the like you said the the fit isn't great, and 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 maybe even campaign was Russ insurance because maybe they thought KD would stay and maybe Russ would be more of a flight issue. I don't know, um, but but now they're in a position where they need to lock Russ up and they need to go get somebody else that can handle the ball or at least somebody that they could potentially trust to do that. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with that. And maybe, maybe he can develop in a, a like Beverly type role, but it's not easy. I mean, Beverly A is taller, mm-hmm. uh, B like he's an an elite uh, defensive uh, mind. First of all, not body, but uh, with his mind. And I'm not sure uh, Joan Evans is uh, that kind of prospect. No, no, he doesn't. He doesn't have that mentality. Like he's. He's probably closer to a Chris Paul mentality than he is a Patrick Beverly, but he doesn't sure. have the elite skills that Chris Paul does. And so I feel like that mentality can only take you so far when you don't have that crazy elite talent that Chris Paul possesses. And Patrick Beverly, like he's, he's just a crazy person on the court. And if he was on <laughs> the Thunder, I would probably really like him. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I mean, I mean, I mean, he is the perfect fit along any uh, ball dominant point guard mm-hmm. because he can defend like one and twos fairly well. Maybe big twos. He has some issues, but I mean, he can defend Russ. So, I mean, right. um, we've seen that. And so, yeah, again, Joan Evans, great point guard. Not sure if OKC is the place where I want to see him. Uh, let's go to a, a wing that is in the Thunder's range. I mean, he's actually outside of it currently Shemi Ojolay he played for SMU he's older he's 22 uh, but he's 6'7 he's got almost a 6'10 wingspan um, he's built like a truck um, what do you what do you think about him he had an average 19 points seven rebounds an assist and a half per game uh, he had some really great stats but what are your what are your thoughts on him as a pro yeah I mean do we want a Snell type wing, like a, a wing like Tony Snell or uh, any other low IQ guy with like good defensive uh, metrics and fairly good offensive talent? I'm not sure is this is what we are looking for. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a very very nice prospect for um, his like uh, his size. Uh, his frame is really thick. Uh, is a crazy good offensive rebounder, um, and actually he shoots fairly well. I mean, um, his three sh- three point shot is there. Maybe he he has to adjust to the new line because he's not rangy. Uh, all his shots are very close to the line, so that mm-hmm. is the thing that you, you can monitor. But the free throw uh, percentage is there, seventy eight point five. So it's it can uh, translate fairly well to NBA uh, standards. But the, the thing that I question um, about uh, Ojeleye is is a IQ, his overall IQ. Mm-hmm. I mean, he can read very very simple stuff. 
So either I, I do a pick and pop or I drive or I shoot. It reminds me a lot of uh, how Ibaka uh, reads the offense. Mm-hmm. So uh, if I have the ball here, then I do that without really looking at what happens on, on the other team. Uh, instead of looking at uh, on, uh, what is there for me, that I recognize a, situa- a simple situation and I apply what I know, um, which we know from our experience that that with the Thunder actually doesn't work because of how they are constructed with a great point guard that takes a lot of the uh, initial uh, time in the, um, on the shot block. So, uh, yes, it's nice, but uh, I'm not sure uh, he is... Uh, what the Thunder should draft if they want a wing. Uh, I can counter that with Karax. Uh, I'm not sure how many uh, clips you've seen about him. Like the European guy, Barcelona, uh-huh. very no. big guy. Very, I've seen very limited clips of him. I mean, he he's crazy young. He's at uh, 1998. Um, he's 6'8", uh, I guess, uh, with a very good frame. And he, man, he can shoot it. He's a natural. He can shoot the ball really well. Um, he has like good defensive instincts, but he is a project. So I wonder if this a pick like that can be what OKC uh, will do this year. So maybe they don't have the prospect they want right now, but Carax can be a very good prospect going forward because he is big enough to play uh, small ball four, and he's a crazy shooter. Uh, like I, we don't have the exact number because we are still tracking him. Mm-hmm. So stay tuned for more. Uh, but from the clips I saw, I mean, he's really, really smooth uh, on the jumper, and he's good enough to drive to the to the basket. And so, in some sense, he can be a, a very modern small forward that you can put. Um, even at the powerful position um, for a certain amount of time during the game. And he's smart. And so that is the guy I will target uh, if I if I was like Sam Presti or the, like the front office of OKC because he has potential and he can become a very, very good player. Like he's maybe his um, best case scenario is being a Gallinari type of player. Mm-hmm. Um, not sure when uh, and if, uh, but uh, I mean, he has that kind of uh, potential in him. Uh, and so I, I wonder if the Thunder can take a chance on him. Maybe he will not come next season. Uh, so he can be a stash uh, kind of uh, player. And for OKC cap situation, that can be good as well. Uh, so, yeah, that, that really intrigues me uh, more than... Uh, Same I really worried about like low IQ prospect for this for this team because we saw that role player are nice if you have a like crazy a talent like KD and Russ together, but when you have like less talent, then it, they become problematic. Yeah, the Thunder can't afford to take more low IQ guys. You're right. Uh, I like the idea of a draft and stash for the Thunder. Um, for this draft just because i mean if if that's where the talent is rather than like going and drafting like an ivan rab or even like a tj leaf or a harry giles somebody that you can bring in and develop here but man i'm really kind of dubious about all those guys uh you need a guy that can play on the wing and be mm-hmm. able to uh create a little bit 
And if you can get that guy, but you have to wait a year for it, I think the Thunder should do that. Because you mean, I mean, the Thunder might have to wait a year for Ananobi. I mean, he may not even yep. play at all next year. And so, I, I don't know. Uh, Kirk's is really interesting. Um, as far if if they stay right where they're at, um, I think that either he or Donovan Mitchell should be the pick because the Thunder just need they need ball handling that they can get from Mitchell and they just need wings and if you can get a wing that can be a rotation player at this late in the draft um, that's that's an incredible pick um, that's that's probably, yeah, really, I, I'm with you that's what I would do yeah it really depends on how much he will show uh, of his game in the next month or, or so because he, mm-hmm. he can go much higher yeah, I mean, the one thing that always worries me is evaluating a talent uh, with a very low competition because right. he played in the second league in Spain, okay. which is not good. Um, but on the other end, Dirk was playing in the second German league. And so it's really hard to evaluate those kind of talent because uh, you, you can't really say much about his uh, foot sp- uh, feet speed, for example. Mm-hmm. How, uh, how how quick is uh, with his feet and how fast he is going to the basket compared to the other players. Compared, yeah, compared to the uh, last competition that he plays against, yes, he's fast enough. But how that translates to the league, it's really hard. So if scouts bring him in the U.S. and like make him uh, play against uh, other draft prospects and he performs well, I don't think he's there at 18. Hmm. Because yeah. it's like he's... His offensive skills are very, very good. Well, I hope that he doesn't show anything and the Thunder can pick him at 21. All right, I'm going to give you three second rounders, and I want you to tell me who interests you the most, and then we'll wrap it up. Uh, Monte Morris, Dwayne Bacon, and then Frank Mason. What do you think about those guys? Who Are there any one of those three that stand out that could be a fit? Uh, those are guys that a lot of people mentioned when, when I I solicited some some prospects from people that uh, on Twitter just to see like who are you guys interested in and those are three guys that came up a lot. So what are your what are your thoughts on those three? Is is there one that stands out? Uh, no, for different reasons. Uh, um, Frank Mason, super competitor, uh, very tough guy, great on offense, but I mean he's too small. Like it's mm-hmm. really he's really really small, and he, he may be like smaller than than Joe and Evans. Uh, he's a super competitor, so maybe he can he can be effective. But can you play him when it matters alongside Russ? My answer is no. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can take a chance because it's a second rounder. Uh, Bacon, uh, nice athlete, not much else. Mm-hmm. Um, Nothing uh, stood really out to, to me when I was watching the clips. Uh, Monte Morris is more interesting. Um, he can run an offense. Uh, mm-hmm. He had like a really messy team. And if you see his assist turnover ratio is crazy. So he doesn't turn over the ball, like almost never. Uh, so that that is great. But again, he has the problem that we that we mentioned before. Can you play a 6-1, guy alongside Russ when it matters? Mm-hmm. And my answer again is no. And if I want to spend a second round, there are two names that I'll, that I'll give you. Um, 
uh, with uh, uh, little context. Uh, Nigel William Goss, this is the Omer pick. Uh, he was at Gonzaga, so I watched him a lot. Yeah. And he is big. Like, he's 6'5". He can play. Uh, he has a nice floater game. Uh, he can shoot. Uh, like, he is good at catching and shoot threes, uh, 45, 46%. Uh, on this kind of attempt. And he is a competitor. competitor. He played, like, the last two, three minutes uh, of the national uh, championship game with a really bad angle. Uh, like, uh, and he played and took yeah. responsibility for the loss. So I really like the charter. I really like the guy. And he works really hard. And it was a, a highly tutored prospect in Washington uh, when he did the transfer. So I think that he, he could be a good fit just because of uh, his um, like confidence uh, size and the fact that he's active on defense and if he doesn't have to worry about his uh, fouls they can be very effective at Gonzaga of course he was the main ball handler and you cannot foul too much and even in that situation he had like 3.2 uh, steal per um, uh, 40 minutes I guess so it was a really really good season defensively even if yeah, he didn't try too much to avoid fouls and the last prospect um, this is like um, Lorenzo's uh, favorite prospect mm -hmm. uh, White from Colorado Okay. He, he basically grew up from nowhere like he started in a low level NCAA competition and then he went to Colorado for his last year and he was all Pac-12 uh, team he is amazing to watch. He can shoot. He reminds me a little bit of uh, Steph Curry uh, when he shots. He, not not that effective. He's not that kind of shooter. But mm -hmm. if you see the mechanics, it's is close to the same. Uh, I have worried about the, the fact that he wants to shoot it all, to shoot it all the time, mm -hmm. and of course uh, it's one year, and so you you are always afraid. But he's big. He's a fierce competitor. He can shoot it. Uh, either from the dribble or um, in catch-and-shoot situation is like 1.2 uh, per uh, possession in catch-and-shoot. So it's really, really effective. He is big enough to play uh, alongside Russ. And so if I, w if I were to spend or to buy a second rounder for a point guard, uh, these two guys really stood up to me because of, their, um, because of the fact that they can play alongside a ball-dominant point guard without um, losing their effectiveness. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. He's he's six five. He's got a six seven wingspan. Uh, he's yeah. he's a that's a he's a big guard. Uh, that's interesting. So that I mean, I think what I've taken from our conversation with the Thunder, if they are going to be looking for a guard, there are options in this draft. Yeah. For guards, especially even in the second round, if they just want to take a flyer and buy the 40th pick or whatever, or buy the 39th pick, like you can go get a Derek White or any of these other guys that we've talked about. Um, so I, this is the draft is going to be really interesting. And this one in particular, I think, is really important for the Thunder. They don't have a pick next next year. Uh, they, mm -hmm. they need to get a role player at least in this draft. Yeah. The Thunder need more talent. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to this draft. Um, Michelle, thanks for coming on the podcast. We can follow you on Twitter at Mikey Berra, M I K Y B E R R A and follow chart underscore side on Twitter. There's going to be some really cool stuff coming from them. If you've seen, I've done some work with them before. It's some have been up on daily thunder. 
probably some of the best looking charts that are out there. They're shot charts. Thank you. Um, and they show frequency of of the shot and the size of these little honeycombs. What do you, what do you call them? Do you call them honeycombs? What do you call them? Uh, hexagons. You just call them hexagons. Sure. They, yeah, look, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure uh, of the right terms. <laughs> they look like honeycombs you know to me. Better. <laughs> okay. But they're, they're great charts. They're and there's there's charts out there like NBA.com puts out one, but they look like they were created in like 1998. Like these are like your <laughs> modern day um, shot charts. They're incredible. You got to check them out. Chart underscore side. Great stuff coming from them very soon as well. So thanks for coming on the show, and we will uh, we'll talk to you soon. Hopefully, we can get you back on before the draft. Thank you, Andrew.